Good morning. Glad you're with me today. This is the sixth week I've been doing this, and quite honestly, I'm still not quite used to it, but I'm glad you're with us. Uh, this is week number six since we have started our stay at home to protect ourselves and others from the virus pandemic that is currently taking over the world. There are about 900,000 cases in the United States with about 51,000 deaths. Here in Yuma County, we have about 59 cases with one death. Uh, it's affecting a lot of people in a lot of ways. One of the things it's done is caused us to have to stay at home a lot. And by now you might be going a bit stir crazy. Uh, a loose definition, just because we are all cooped up at home and we can't get out and do the things that we normally did. And we long for the time that we can get back to that sense of normalcy. So we continue to pray that God will bless our country and the world by removing this virus, by eradicating it from amongst the population so that we can get back to a sense of normalcy and interact with one another on a more personable level, uh, being face-to-face -face with one another. But as such, we are in week six and we don't know when it's gonna change. Uh, plans that we've made for months have been shelved. They've been put on hold. Some of those plans, including summer vacations, because when school's out, that's one of the things that families like to do. They want to take a vacation. One of the things for the past few years that my wife and I have done, um, we've gone to the Red River family encampment in Red River, New Mexico. And I just got word Friday, I believe it was, that the 2020 Red River Family Encampment has been canceled just due to the virus because we don't know what the health of people will be and in getting out into public places to share with one another, to um, have that close contact with one another. When you have 2,500 people meeting under one roof, under a tent, it is hard to maintain social distancing of six feet. Uh, between people. So makes it tough and we appreciate those who are involved in that and look forward to next year. So we'll be making plans accordingly. So I don't know what your plans are for this year, but it means that we're going to make some changes. But along that line, I got to thinking and I stumbled across some old notes from a thoughts that I wrote down after a previous vacation, I don't know how many years ago, that we took and I'd like to share a few thoughts that I've had this week. So think back with me for a time that you planned and took a vacation. It could have been that it was a long vacation, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. It could have been going to another country. It could have been going to just someplace to get away from it. Sometimes those are good. Sometimes those short trips that we also take are just as refreshing because we get away for a few days and we don't have the stress of a long drawn out vacation. I've done both and enjoy them both. Quick trip, a long trip, spontaneous or well-planned. They all take planning and preparation. Again, I don't know what's gonna happen this year, but I do know what we did last year. And for the past several years, we have planned to get together with a friend of mine from high school, he and his wife, and do a cruise from Long Beach, California, 
somewhere. Well, last winter it came to pass. I don't remember when we finalized all the plans, but I guess we finalized them when we got on the ship. But when we found the one that was right for us and we made the preparations, then the days started climbing or counting down. So they made their plans and they flew to Arizona, to Yuma. And then we, on a Monday, went to Long Beach, California and got on the ship. But in the meantime, we had to plan. We had to find the, the right days, the right number of days for the trip. We had to plan all the travel times and what it was going to take to get there. Uh, there was a lot of planning going on in this. So a longer trip will take a little bit more planning and preparation. So we made the trip and it was fun. Um, some of the things I've noted that not only does do trips, do vacations, long or short, take planning and preparation, there are also costs involved. But the trip and the destination are going to be so worth it. Whether it's seeing new sites or being with family and friends from long ago, those times we cherish and those times are well worth it. So this morning, I just want you to see some of the similarities that I thought about years ago and again recently as we're thinking about our vacation and how it's on hold right now for 2020. I want to see the similarities perhaps in taking a vacation and going to heaven. I believe that any vacation you want to take is all about the desire. Whether it's going someplace new or someplace that you've been before, it is all about seeing those things and those families and friends that we know and have cherished relationships for a long time, or is seeing new things and meeting new people and having new experiences. We look forward to a vacation for those very, very reasons. Um, in the beginning, Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden. They lived with God. Genesis chapter 3, this is after the fall, after they knew they sinned, that God was walking in the cool of the garden that day. And he called out to Adam and Eve, said, where are you? Well, they had hidden themselves because they were naked and they were ashamed. They were ashamed because they had broken faith with God. They had done what he said not to do. So they could no longer live in the garden. God cast them out and block their way back to the garden that they might take hold of the fruit of the tree of life. That broken fellowship paradise was lost. That's the way man has been. You see, Solomon said, but pardon me, let me back up. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter three, that God set times and seasons in life. He said, in chapter three, there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot that which is planted. He's made everything in its appropriate time. You see, there's a balance to life. But even so, we don't find much meaning in life in that regard. We're wanting more. We want to know more. And perhaps it is found in verse 11 of chapter three, where Solomon wrote, he has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity 
in their heart. That eternity in their heart is their desire, man's innate desire to have that relationship, I believe, with God. All of this life is filled with vanities. But in everyone, I believe that there is a God-given awareness, that there is something more than this transient world, an awareness that any, of an eternity that comes with hope that will find one day fulfillment that we don't find in the emptiness of this world. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, around 350 AD to 430 AD was his life, um, he said this, our hearts, O God, were made for thee, and never shall they rest until they rest in thee. I think C.S. Lewis put it this way when he said, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. And so along that line, I'd like to turn with me, turn, have you turn with me in your Bible to the Hebrew letter, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jewish Christians who are considering leaving the faith because of the persecutions that were going on, that they were being caught up in. But in chapter 11, this is the honor roll of faith. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. For by it men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made of the things which are visible. Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. Uh, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up he was pleasing to God. Those are some things that I long for. And then the Hebrew writer in verse six says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Then he starts talking about those who were seeking God. There was Noah, there was Abraham. And along the line of Abraham, it says, of Abraham, and I would say of all others, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. In fact, in John chapter 14, Jesus said to his disciples, I am going in my father's house or many mansions, and I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm going to come back for you. God wants us to live with him. There's an explanation there. God said eternity in our hearts. He wants us to be with him. But to be with him, there is a cost. In any trip that you take, there's a cost. Vacations that you take have a cost. There are travel costs. There are lodging costs. The cost of food, the cost of souvenirs and excursions, the things that you're going to do to enjoy. There are costs in the Christian life. Our relationship 
with Christ is by faith. In Romans chapter 6, in verse 23, Paul says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Ephesians chapter 2, he would say, in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of the result of works, so that no one may boast. God gives us life in Christ. We cannot earn our life in Christ. It is by faith that we appropriate this life. God gives us in Christ what we do not deserve. But he does ask us something. He asks us for our devotion, for our obedience. The cost, if you will, is that we must deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him daily. It is hard to deny self sometimes. The things that I would like to do when they run in contrary to what God says to do. In Matthew chapter 5, he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's not easy to do, but for the Christian, he knows he must, and he does his best to do that daily. We love Christ above all else. In Luke chapter 14, verses, I think, 15 through to 31, he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot, bear, cannot be my disciple. Now, love here, hate here is to really to love less. He's not telling us to hate our family and friends. He's saying, your love for me must supersede that love for them so much that it would look like hate. He goes on to say, for which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to accomplish it? Or otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with his 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000 men? Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks terms of peace. So then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up his own possessions. You see, if we're going to live in Christ, we have to count the cost because there is a cost involved. It means total and complete surrender to Christ, to the God of heaven and the God of earth. When we make that, and in anticipation of that, we must also recognize that there is a dress code for heaven. When we went on that cruise last winter with my friends, there was a formal night dinner. Certain types of clothing were not permissible in the dining hall. You had to be dressed properly to be admitted. I think they requested the men to wear a jacket and tie. If not a tie, at least a jacket. But they wanted it to be a nice event, a nice occasion in which to celebrate with family and friends on that cruise. Some were dressed more formally than others, and, but most were dressed at least in a jacket and tie, speaking of the men. Uh, life with God is no different. 
You see, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14, we have the parable of the marriage feast. The king's servants, had, the king had invited many guests, but they refused to come. The king was angry, and he banished them. Uh, the king's servants were then set out in the countryside to bring in other guests, and the other guests came to the wedding of his son. But toward the end of the passage, we find that there was a man who came to the wedding who was not dressed in wedding attire. He was asked by the king, why have you come and you're not properly dressed? He didn't have an answer, but he was cast out of the wedding feast. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. There is an attire. We have to be properly clothed. In Galatians chapter 3, in verses 26 and 27, Paul writes, For you are, we are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ, you have clothed yourselves with Christ. The word clothed there is the sense of sinking into a garment, putting clothes on. Uh, when one is baptized into Christ, they are clothed as Paul would say, with the righteousness of Christ in Philippians chapter 1, verses chapter 3, excuse me, 1 through 11. Paul was there in that passage, was weighing out all of his accomplishments as a Jew, living as a Pharisee. And he said, I counted it all as rubbish because I didn't want a righteousness of my own, but I wanted a righteousness found in Christ. I wanted his righteousness, because his righteousness is what God sees. He doesn't like mine because it's insufficient. But then, of course, moving from that, I think about problems that sometimes we encounter on vacations. Many years ago, my family was going on a vacation, and 50 miles away, we had a blowout. So, well, that slowed us down quite a bit. We had to get to a place where we could buy a new tire and have it put on. And quite honestly, we thought about stopping our trip because it was taking so long of a delay to find a, a station where we could get a tire replaced. We made the trip anyway. And uh, so we got back on the road. But there was a time that on a cruise that there was a couple that missed the ship. I don't know if it was they missed the initial departure venue or if it was from a port of call where they went off on an excursion and were just late and getting back to the ship. That's a problem because now your transportation is gone. Well, they knew the next destination where it was going to be and they had to buy airline tickets to fly to that destination to get back on the ship. That's a problem. They made it, but it was with extra cost. In this life, Satan is still trying to get back, take back those who are walking with Christ. It's just like those in the Old Testament that we read about who forgot God and served other gods, such as in Judges chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. It says, the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, served the Baals, and they forsook God the God of their fathers who brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed themselves down to them. Thus they provoked, the God, provoked God to anger. 
You see, there arose in Israel at that time a generation that didn't know God. It was not the generation of Joshua and his peers. It was some after them that forgot God, and they lost what they had with him. Peter wrote about the danger of falling away from God in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20. He was writing to Christians to encourage them in the faith and to keep them strong. And in verses 20 through 22, he says, For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. You see, these were Christians that got caught up in the schemes of Satan and they left the faith and they were lost. But John tells us that we can be back with God. We can maintain that relationship, and it's by walking in his light. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, John wrote, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we have say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. What is he saying there? Well, there were two types of Gnostic heresies going on at that time. One which said the flesh does not matter. You can have fellowship with God and do whatever you want in this world. And trust me, there are people who would like to believe that and live that way. But John says you cannot participate in the deeds of darkness, in walk in darkness and have fellowship with God. But as long as you're walking in his light, in the way that God would have us to live and to walk. That's a progressive action. You don't have to worry about your salvation because you are walking in his light. The blood of his son Jesus cleanses you. Now, the other Gnostics were saying, well, we're going to discipline our bodies in such a way that we will overcome sin. John says you can't. He said, he went on to say there, as we read, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. We recognize that sin is a real problem. But for the Christian, it's not that they don't sin, it's that they don't make it a way of life. They don't live in sin constantly. They live walking in the light. They don't overcome sin through their own efforts. They acknowledge and agree with God that they're sinners and that they're saved by his grace. It is his gift to them. And so they walk with him. Now, as I close, I would like to share with you these final thoughts. In Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31, that's a bit of a long passage, and I doubt that I'll read all of it, but I'll read selected parts. You see, there was a man, 
he runs up to Jesus and says, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said, teacher, I've kept all of these from the beginning since I was a youth. Jesus felt a love for him. One thing you lack, sell all your possessions, give to the poor and come and follow me. Now, this man who we call the rich young ruler, he had a lot and he didn't like the answer that he got. It was difficult. It was called counting the cost and it looks as though like he didn't want to pay the price. He didn't want to, he counted the cost and said, it's not worth it. Peter then talks to them, his disciples talk to them and said to him, behold, we have left everything and followed you. Now, that was good. Peter said, we have counted the cost. You are the ones with the words of life from another passage in John chapter six. Here's what he's saying. And Jesus turned to him and said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will not receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses, brothers and sisters and mothers, children and farms. He says, you don't leave without getting. I'm going to take care of you. Your family is going to be extensive in Christ. Now, he does go on to say, along with persecutions. Again, we have to accept those persecutions, and we pray that we will endure if ever persecution comes to us, as it has to our brethren in other parts of the world. But he goes on to say, and in the age to come, eternal life. Many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. You see, we have it now, and we have it tomorrow. There is a cost to being a disciple of Christ. But it all starts with being a desire, having that desire to get back to God and to serve him and follow him. He set eternity in our hearts. We pay the price, we walk the walk, and we live with him today and tomorrow. I don't know where you are today, but I do know that I'd like you to contemplate on these words. 900,000 approximate infections of the COVID virus, almost 51,000 deaths. It's giving us time to reflect on life and on death. Things are not normal. We don't want them to go back to a normalcy of complacency. We want to live for God. And I hope this message has been a bit of an encouragement to you at this time. If you found us through our webpage, you can contact me at the phone number on the webpage, or you can send an email and I'll reply to you. I don't know what your needs are, but if you have a prayer request, share it with me. And we at the church here will pray with you and for you. If you'd like to know more about being clothed with Christ, send me an email, give me a call. And we can talk about that on the phone. We can talk about it in a private Zoom meeting one-on-one -on -one, where we can see each other. But if you have a need, let us help you. Let us make it known to us so that we can pray with you, so that we can encourage you. 
I thank you for joining me today and hope this lesson has been an encouragement to you. Thank you once again for being with us at this time.